0: And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at JoinMIDI.com. This is FCB Radio, where real talk lives. Visit us online at FCBRadio.com.
1: Okay. Hey, y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Marvel Halls and Silver Screens. My name is Sarah Lee. I am broadcasting from, again, still a quarantined Washington, D.C., which is something is so strange about that. I'm just now seeing that some of the states have only now begun really doing social distancing and governors are coming out and saying you should stay home. We've been doing that in D.C., I know my office closed on March the 9th, so, I mean, we're all still working, but no one's been into the office since then, so I just find it very odd that some of the states are this late in adopting these measures, at least officially. So I only mention that because, you know, we're all living it. Um, welcome to it if you're one of the states that's just joined. Um you know, it can make you feel a little stir crazy. I'm sure everybody knows that, but um, but it's it's for a good uh, it's for a good reason. And I think that um, it, from what I can tell, based on what I've been reading, it is having some effect. One of the things I know that I've seen is that the um, the actual flu curve, uh, not not COVID, but influenza A and B that that curve has flattened this year. So whatever we're doing, we're doing well. Um, So that's very good to know. And you're going to hear a um, a lot of news reports that are going to counter and challenge that. But I would encourage you to stay positive and know that we've got really, really good people dedicated to working on this. And I think, based on what I've heard Donald Trump say, we are going to see some relaxing of those restrictions, uh, suggested restrictions, because nothing's mandated, obviously, at the federal level. Uh, but we're going to see some, of, uh, some relaxing of that, which generally, to me, indicates that things are um, turning a corner. Again, you won't. a lot of the news reports you see are not going to say that. They're going to say that it's a binary choice and that, you know, we're not out of the woods and um, grandma and grandpa are going to die because we uh, start to go back to work. I don't think it's that simple. So again, I encourage you to stay positive and read everything you can because there's more information out there than just that. Okay, so that said, um, I am going to talk a little bit on today's show about coronavirus, because I just wrote a piece that I'm not sure if it will be out by the time um, I publish this. I think it will be. I think it's going to be up later this afternoon. So um, hopefully, and you know, it's Friday morning, so hopefully it will be out by um, by the time I publish this so I can link to it in the column. But I wrote a piece on this interesting political battle over the treatment hydroxychloroquine um, that's been it's actually in clinical trials right now in New York but doctors are allowed to prescribe it because it's already been FDA approved for other uses and off-label drug use is really not uncommon it actually happens fairly frequently so um, so but there is a political battle brewing over this and so I just wrote about it and I want to talk a little bit about that. In the second segment of the show, I will review the adorable new Disney Pixar film, Onward. Uh, I watched it last night. Uh, It was super cute, and I just wanted to bring something a little lighthearted to you during these sort of strange and anxiety-inducing times. Um, So I'll review Onward. And then in the final segment, I want to talk about an interesting Guardian article that I saw. Um discussing what effect uh the coronavirus quarantine and the likely at least it may be mild some are predicting it to be worse but there's a likely recession because we've all shut down for a few weeks um what effect that's going to have on hollywood and believe it or not this guardian article says there's a very big silver lining to what the quarantine could mean for Hollywood. So I want to discuss that at the end of the show. Uh, So let's just jump right in. Um, I just mentioned that there is some good news out there related to coronavirus. I think our administration is beginning to feel like uh, we may have done the work, not completely, obviously. This is not something to trifle with. The Southern Hemisphere, for example, is just going into their winter months. And there's some evidence to suggest that coronavirus does better in colder climes. So they're about to probably see it, hopefully not the way we've seen it uh, in the West and in China, but they're, I think about to deal with it a little bit more than they have been. Um, And there's a possibility that because of that, uh, even if we do a fairly good job of flattening this curve and reducing new cases, we could see a resurgence, which is why you know, back especially this fall when flu season hits in the fall, which is why they're working like gangbusters. There's, I've mentioned it before. There's an arms race right now to develop a vaccine for this sucker. Um, also, very good news. So. We're not completely out of the woods, but I do think our administration is seeing some reason to weigh the risk of opening the economy back up, letting people get back to work, letting people go back to church, things like that, sports uh, maybe coming back here in another month. Um, And I, I, I actually understand why they're doing that, and I am not hypercritical of that. I think you know the predictions of a long-term uh, shutdown on the economy are devastating. So we, I think, we've got to weigh that risk and behave appropriately. Um, this this sort of doomsday uh, information you'll see about you know we're all we're deciding to kill grandma and grandpa um, to open the economy back up. Those are unfair uh, and and histrionic. Um, Assessments of this. Um, we are not abandoning our elderly population to this. There are cases uh, that have been reported in places like Spain and Italy where they were doing that. I think there was a story that came out in, uh, from Spain where they were finding just bodies in retirement homes that had just been uncared for and left to die. We are not doing that here. So when you see that kind of, um, you know, Uh, assessment of what's happening here uh, just know that that is not actually the way we're approaching this uh, in this country we are treating and we are caring for our elderly so this idea that we're just gonna shut you know we're gonna open things back up and kill the elderly and that they're expendable in this you know this new world that we're facing in this country that is not true and If I see evidence of that, I'll be the first to point it out. But I do not see evidence of that. And I find it offensive, actually, that that's the kind of thing that's being used as a political cudgel to try to win points basically against Donald Trump. Uh, It's very disturbing. And that's kind of what my article, which will go up in town hall later today, is about. It's another political battle related to the treatment of Uh, coronavirus. So in New York, uh, a week or so ago, Donald Trump announced that the drug hydroxychloroquine, which is an antiviral, primarily used to, it's an anti-malarial drug. And I think other people use it for lupus and some other things like that. So it is actually a prescribed medication that's already on the market and has been approved by the FDA for a while now. Um Donald Trump, based on some evidence from some clinical trials that had, had happened in other places, primarily the most well-known is, is in France, decided that hydroxychloroquine and uh, with a combination of a, uh, an antibiotic called azithromycin, which I think is uh, called z um and you may have heard of it, I know I've heard of the z of the before, uh, that that combination was having some effectiveness against the coronavirus. It was actually treating people fairly well. Um, I should let me rephrase that. It was a fairly effective treatment for people who had been infected with coronavirus. So he touted it from you know one of his press conferences. He said that he thought it could be a game changer. Well, this has led to what has become something of a political battle. And the most recent, which is just, I found it so disturbing, I had to write about it. Um, in Michigan, the Michigan governor, uh, as, a, as a response to Donald Trump deciding this, and by the way, as a result of some of these early clinical trials, New York State is, is right now in the middle of a clinical trial and, and testing this, which I think Dr. Fauci is, has been extraordinarily interested in. They're testing it on some of their cases in New York. They're going to be releasing data. I I, I suspect that data to come fairly quickly within the next week, if not within the next few days. It won't be comprehensive, but we'll start to see some discussion of whether or not this is working. Um, But because Donald Trump is touting it, you begin to see stories everywhere about the problems with it and why it's a dangerous drug because it has some side effects and Uh, You know, whether or not people were going to be hoarding it and if people that use it for other maladies could get it. And, oh, by the way, there's this Chinese study, very small, that says it has no effect. It doesn't work, which right now, if you trust anything coming out of China, I've got some land and some Florida swamp to tell you. So the governor of Michigan just recently on March 24th, and this is sort of peak politics of this issue. She wrote a letter, her Department of Licensing and Regulatory Affairs wrote a letter that's, that basically to all doctors and pharmacists, uh, licensed prescribers and dispensers, where she basically threatened administrative action against doctors' uh, licenses if they prescribe this drug for coronavirus. And it issued a warning to pharmacists to ignore doctors if they ask for this prescription to be filled for coronavirus. Um, She also, the letter also apparently said that uh, healthcare providers are required to report on their other providers if they see them prescribing this drug. Okay, y'all. I I couldn't resist writing about this. This is insanity, okay? This is a drug that the FDA has already approved. So the safety... um, The safety portion of it has been approved. Does it have side effects? Yes. I have read that they can be uh, dicey as well. It could, you know, it it, uh, speeds up the heart is what I'm understanding. It can cause an arrhythmia, which is why it's prescribed and they're holding clinical trials and you're monitored by a doctor. Uh, Your doctor would monitor your progress when taking it. Um, So, yes, you know, it's, it's a drug, okay, But it's already been approved for safety by the FDA. And as far as efficacy for this particular issue, coronavirus, well, that's what the clinical trials are studying, okay? But off-label use of drugs is fairly common. It happens all the time. Uh, For example, I know that um, I remember this girl I used to know who had, um, she had just sort of generalized aches and pains, she said. Um, and the doctor prescribed her uh, anti-anxiety medicine. Uh, Anti-anxiety medicine is for anxiety. Um, Her problem was ostensibly physical. Uh, So I guess, and this was not a psychiatric doctor, this was a medical doctor. So this kind of prescribing off-label is not uncommon. It happens frequently, and your doctor's and pharmacists understand the chemical makeup of these things and how they've been used in the past and what the current clinical studies are. And so they are given the shrift to prescribe them as such. So threatening doctors for prescribing something to their patients that they think might help and, th- you know, threatening their licenses and asking them to inform on their colleagues is just, as this writer in the Detroit News um Kathy Huckstra put it, it's Gestapo-like. It's insane, okay? And it's nothing more, in my opinion, than a political slapback at Donald Trump because he has touted it as being something that might work. Uh, adding to that, which I find this to me is extraordinarily fascinating, Um there are places in the world, like I said, the French released this uh, study that everybody's using. Um, and there are places in the, that, that they, they recommend using this uh, drug to treat coronavirus. They outright recommend it. Um, and then there are other places in the world where they're using it, um, they're using it as a precautionary measure. Uh, in India, there is an excellent article from the Times of India where the, and um, in India, you know, it, they have a lot of people. So if they have a pandemic, it's serious for them, okay? So the Indian Council of Medical Research, a lot of people that live very closely together, it's not unlike China in that way. So, if, so in other words, social distancing for India is, is much more difficult than it would be here. So so their Indian Council of Medical Research recommended recently, the COVID-19 task force as part of that uh, council, recommended hydroxychloroquine for not only for the treatment of virus-infected high-risk populations, but they are asking doctors, even if they're asymptomatic, if they're working in ICU units and family members of people who are infected who have had contact, to take this, uh, drug as a precautionary measure, measure. Um, most of them are doing it. One doctor, which I found the reason he decided not to take it fascinating. He decided not to take it because he says it lowers the white, the count of white blood cells needed for immunity. So he decided not to take it because he's going to rely on his own immunity to fight this, um, to fight, uh, COVID-19. Um, And he says it's not mandatory, so no one's forcing him to take it. That is such a stark difference than forcing doctors not to prescribe it. So in India, even doctors are taking this as a precaution. So I'm going to be really interested to hear what the clinical trial out of New York, what the data starts to look like when we start getting that information back. Because I got to say, if it turns out that some of these governors, I think the the uh, Nevada governor also has limited uh, prescriptions for this drug. He, his uh, reasoning is that he's afraid people that need it for other things won't be able to get it. But I just feel like these are these are two Democratic governors, and I feel like this is more of a political battle. And if it turns out that this drug is working in our clinical trials here and it's showing some efficacy, those Democratic governors are going to need to answer to this because if you are playing this kind of political game in the time of pandemic, that's shameful. It's absolutely shameful. So I will post this. Hopefully it will be out by the time I uh, put my column up. um, And I will try to post the link to the article so you can read it yourself. But yeah, just pray for the people in the clinical trials and let's pray that the data comes out looking um, positive so that maybe there is uh, will be an end in sight to this idea that if you get coronavirus, um, even though the uh, recovery rate is very high anyway, that maybe the recovery rate could be almost 100%. Okay, so that, let's leave that heavy, heavy topic. I <laughs> that's not, you know, this is a... I, I would like to be lighter and funnier but we are living in sort of a strange time so um, I'm doing my best to bring you this information without um, you know causing you to freak out uh, but I do want to I do want to highlight some of these things because it's serious and this is stuff you should know but on the entertainment side of the review side I did watch onward which got bumped out of the theaters almost immediately because of coronavirus and the theater down the street from my house closed immediately because I think they saw the writing on the wall. And that is such a great little place. And I think the building itself has got to be on the historical registry. So I think the building's safe. But I am so bummed that I can't just walk two blocks and go see a great film. So that's, you know, part of what's been happening to Hollywood, you know, in, in, in this time. So I decided, everybody's been talking about this Netflix documentary called um, Tiger King. And I was going to watch that and review it for you. I'm probably particularly suited to do a review because it's about a bunch of trashy rednecks and how awful they are and their exotic animals running around. And I'm from Georgia, so that's not something I'm not unfamiliar with. Even the exotic animal part, okay? Okay. <laughs> But I just couldn't bring myself to watch it. I just don't. My soul is not up for it, you guys. Like, I'm not judging anybody that takes joy, or not joy, but is fascinated by this. It is fascinating. It's trash TV. It's like Jerry Springer, right? Um, And there's nothing wrong with watching it. There's nothing wrong with being like, that is cracked. I just couldn't do it. I just, right now, my headspace... I'm just trying to find anything and everything that brings me some kind of light and joy. So I chose to do Onward instead. Onward is just this adorable little film. Um, it's Pixar. So you already know the visuals are going to be beautiful and wonderful. Um, and the stars are Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. They're both great. Um, and it's this heart. It's just this incredible little story about basically about fatherhood and where it exists in unconventional or unlikely places. How how you know caring for someone in a father figure way um isn't relegated just to someone's actual father. And that's what the film is basically about. Um, it's also about adventure and magic. Um, and it's great, it's awesome for the kids. But the message is really good. And I read an article, uh, the, the, um, the writer-director, uh, his name is, let me see if I can pull this up, um, Dan Scanlon. Uh, he, this is kind of, it's loosely based on his own life experience. And so it meant a lot to him to make this. And so, of course, it just was this awful thing that it got bumped out of the theaters right away. You can get it on Amazon Prime. You can buy it. Um, so it's out there. That's how I saw it. Um, and it's something I think during this time, if you have kids or even if you're just like me looking for something joyful, um, you should, you should take it up, watch it. It's, it's good. Uh, but he said, you know, it it would be easy for him to be bitter that this wonderful little film happened, this, the timing of it happened during coronavirus, but here's what he said about it. Given the situation, it's wonderful to be able to share the movie and have people see the film and give some entertainment and hopefully some joy and distraction from all that's going on. It's been wonderful on Twitter and social media, seeing images of families watching the movie. They've been sending me wonderful messages about how much they've enjoyed the movie and how much it meant to them during this time. So yeah, I think given everything, we're happy that people are seeing the film and that the people who are seeing it are enjoying it. So there's your joy. Ladies and gentlemen, just, I made something, weird timing. It would be easy for him to be bitter about it. He's not. He's like, you know what? Maybe this is a good time for people to watch it. And it's making me happy that it's bringing them joy in such a sort of scary time. And it is a cute little movie. And if you have kids, I highly recommend it. And Chris Pratt, as the sort of screw-up older brother, (laughs) who's into, like, Magic the Gathering and, you know, uh, cosplay, basically, it uh, is fantastic, and, you know, the mom's character, uh, you know, Mama Bear, she's great. They go on this quest. They have a van called Guinevere that has a big, you know, unicorn painted on the side. It's definitely worth worth your time. And all you 80s guys out there who used to get into all this stuff, 80s and 90s, who used to get into role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, you will see yourself. Um, so it's definitely worth your time. You know, it's not gonna—it's not gonna make you reevaluate uh, your philosophy in life, but it's probably gonna warm your heart a little bit. It's probably gonna make you hug your kids a little bit tighter. It's gonna make you appreciate some of the people in your life in a way maybe you didn't before. It is worth your time right now. And as far as Tiger King, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I'll give you a review next time around. But like I said, <laughs> extreme rednecks doing nutty stuff that is something i am intimately acquainted with not my immediately fam my, not my immediate family they're lovely but you know when you grew up in georgia and you go out to the country and you see the way people act sometimes and not even just in the country in the uh, you know in the urban areas um this is and i shouldn't even do that to georgia it's not just georgia people are nuts everywhere okay and I just don't know if that was something I wanted to. Um, I wanted to talk about. I didn't. I just. I don't think I can fill my head with that right now. As my mother always said, "Garbage in, garbage out." So, so I didn't do it. And uh, and I hope I don't sound like an elitist jerk when I say you know rednecks doing crazy things. But hey, that's life, right? <laughs> there are crazy people that do crazy things, and. Yeah. So apologies for being a little harsh in my uh, judgment there, but there it is. Okay. So that's onward. And then finally, I want to talk just briefly about um, this Guardian article that I read. A very good article. Um, and it has a sort of silver lining about what you know, if you like movies, I'm a huge, as you know, huge movie buff. I have been since I was a child. My dad was. My mom was. So movies in our home, that was a thing we did. Uh, we went to the movies. We watched movies. We, you know, it's just both my mother and my father. Mom was big into, like, musicals, you know, the sort of 50s musicals. Uh, my dad was big into, he liked the dramas and, you know, the westerns and all of that stuff. Um, but a good dramatic film was always at my dad's alley too. Mom liked romances and things like that. So I got the whole spectrum. Um, and so when, you know, when you, when that's sort of one of your things, one of your passions, watching what's happening to filmmaking is difficult and I have nothing but love for the streaming platforms. I think they're great. I appreciate the convenience of them and they're doing excellent work. But going to the movies is a thing. It's a fun thing to do. And it was a cultural, you know, zeitgeist, basically. Um, And it's changed. And this Guardian article has this awesome, the name of it, the headline is, Could Coronavirus Enforced Streaming Mean Better Blockbusters? And the idea that they present is that because the technology in filmmaking had gotten so good, we started getting really bad films with just a lot of really good visual effects, right? The films were terrible, the plots were awful, the acting was bad, uh, the writing was terrible, but you know, they could they could wow you with all these visual effects and that's all that mattered. Well, the the idea in this article is that because streaming now has it's not going anywhere. It's getting bigger. The production, unstre- production level of streaming uh, work is, is, mu- is getting much better. It's probably just going to keep getting better. This article says, well, maybe that means that in order to have the true cinematic experience, because there's no doubt seeing something on the big screen is viscerally much different than watching it on your computer at home. Um, That's why in the 80s and 90s, surround sound was the thing. You wanted the theater experience. This article postulates that this might mean that, that theater blockbusters, cinematic, you know, films meant for the cinema, meant for the movie house, are going to get better. They're going to be visually still really good. But they're going to have to start having better characters, better writing, better ideas. Um, and that might, might might actually mean a better movie-going experience and it might bring people back to the theaters. I personally think there's a pragmatic question, too, about the cost of what it, you know, to go to a theater. How much it costs for concessions and things like that. Um, and I understand, you know why those costs exist, obviously, you know, it costs money to run a theater, so you have to offset those costs somehow, um, but I, I think that, and, and that's got to be addressed, because that's the most, you know, that's the most pervasive complaint I've heard, is like, it's $10 for a soda, sorry, a Coke, I'm Southern, a Coke at the theater, and nobody wants to pay 10 bucks for a Coke at the theater, um, and so that that's the most pervasive, it's, you know, uh complaint I hear about movie going but I do think there's something to this idea that if theater if, if filmmaking uh, that is designed to be shown in cinemas um, gets better the quality gets better they you may this article may have a point people might uh, prefer to see certain films on the big screen I know I would so it's just an interesting idea. And I hope Hollywood takes it seriously because, look, as much as I criticize Hollywood for their politics often, (laughs) and I do do that quite a bit, but then they criticize me for mine. If they knew about me, they would. Um, That is where creative people land. And I love creative people. Creatives are some of my favorite people. They bring us art and music and Uh, You know, the reasons that we stay alive, to to paraphrase Robin Williams and Dead Poets Society. Um, You know, it's not just the daily humdrum in and out. It's the things that spark our hearts, right? So I love them, and I I want Hollywood to keep doing that. Um, We'll stay with the politics out here in D.C. You guys be your creative selves. You can talk about us. That's great. Um, But, yeah, just bring us the art. That's what we're hungry for. And maybe coronavirus will shift some of that a little bit, as this article says. Okay, so that's my show. I'm still feeling very guilty about talking about rednecks like that. But I guess as a Southerner, you just, you know, that's how we talk about things in the South. So I hope you'll forgive me. I'm not trying to be an elitist. Um So, yeah, so that's the show for today. Uh, Y'all stay safe. Um, Keep your chins up. Get outside. It's beautiful in D.C. today. I don't know where you are, but if you can get outside and take a walk, go for a run, breathe in the fresh air, do that. I cannot stress how much of a, you know, mind clearer that is during these crazy times. Um, And as always, be nice to yourselves. Be nice to each other. uh, Take care, and we will see you again next week.
0: Your bad, can be out your next. A joker on the loose from the psychiatric ward. his face is up on the bulletin board a with sword The FCB Radio network First class broadcasting worldwide. Hi I'm Dr. Amy Acton director of the Ohio Department of Health To prevent coronavirus spread wash your hands often cough or sneeze into your sleeve don't touch your face.